Welcome to Full Life FM. I'm your host, Emily Tim. I'm a registered dietitian, content creator, and feminist on a mission to help women live their fullest lives. I've worked with thousands of women with PCOS and other endocrine conditions to optimize metabolic, reproductive, and mental health. I'm passionate about approachable, evidence-based nutrition, intentional living, and the Mediterranean diet and lifestyle. Each week, we'll bring you new episodes and guest interviews to inspire, empower, and educate on what it really means to be healthy. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend or leave a review. And if you're ready to do health together, I'd love to have you in my membership community, the Full Life Society. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Happy Halloween. Welcome. I'm excited today to talk to you about a very specific, fun topic that came to me this morning and is something that's been on my mind a ton lately as I've been preparing for our new weight loss experience happening in November. So the title of today's conversation is Wicked Weight Loss. So say hello as you're hopping on or if you're on the replay. I like to know if you're on replay and also let me know if you are currently on a weight loss journey or if weight loss is a goal of yours. I I would just be curious. You can just write me if that's you. Also, let me know if it's your first time on live. Let me know if you've been recently diagnosed with PCOS so we can send you extra love. And I'm going to go ahead and get into it. So what I want to talk about today, hello, hi everybody. Somebody said a flatter stomach. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's, um, yeah, that's somewhat different than weight loss even because we can have redistribution of body fat without weight loss, but definitely the same. I want to lose five kilograms. Awesome. All right. So what I want to talk about today are a few big behaviors, a few big areas of focus that can make or break your weight loss journey. And I'm going to move through them kind of systematically. And you can come back and reference this training later, or if you need to pop in headphones and continue throughout your day, you can do that. Yep, somebody just commented too and said, hi, I was diagnosed almost a year ago, and no matter how healthy I am, I can't lose weight. So this is a very, very common struggle. You're not alone. Um, Weight loss is hard. (laughs) It's nuanced. But I think there's also so much context missing from the conversation around weight loss. So I'm going to start there. When I am thinking about weight loss for humans with PCOS, women with PCOS, we have some men with PCOS, we have non-binary humans with PCOS. When I'm thinking about weight loss for people with PCOS, the context is this. Number one, weight loss, the amount of weight loss required to optimize metabolic, reproductive, and mental health is significantly less than you would think. A five to 10% weight loss is all you need to put your PCOS into remission the majority of the time. 
what is PCOS remission? I've decided to start talking about PCOS in this context because this is actually how we talk about type 2 diabetes reversal, so to speak. We say that type 2 diabetes cannot be reversed because the underlying pathophysiology will always be there. PCOS is much the same. Once you have PCOS, you have that underlying pathophysiology, you have the genetic predisposition, you know that that is a part of you. But you can get it to, to a point of balancing out PCOS-related hormones. You could get it to a point of managing your symptoms so that you feel pretty freaking good. And you can do this through natural means. And so that is what we would consider PCOS remission. So the reason I speak about weight loss is because weight loss in the research, a weight loss of 5 to 10% of your body weight through a safe and high quality way, which we're going to talk about, can help you to lower androgen levels and redistribute damaging fat around the organs. And the less fat that we have on our body, the less metabolically active fat we have on our body, and then our appetite regulating hormones can be more well balanced and we also reduce our risk for heart disease type 2 diabetes alzheimer's disease so there's a reason for weight loss but for me the kind of weight loss that excites me is five to ten percent body weight again because of this context of metabolic reproductive and mental health when um when it comes to losing weight with PCOS, we want to be strategic and precise. If you're losing, if you're losing weight and you're doing it on your own and you're kind of approaching it from like a, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get the scale to go down kind of situation, which I get it. Like you're, you're eager to get it. You're eager to see that number go down. You're eager to get results. And so what a lot of people will do, let me know if you've done this, is plug into MyFitnessPal or Lose It or one of the free calorie counting apps and then follow those guideline, guidelines like very dogmatically. And that's a shitstorm. Like <laughs> um, that's not a great way of approaching weight loss. Why? Because what happens is this. You start to lose weight. You start to feel great. Somebody said, oh yeah, indeed. So tell me about your experience, Sophia. You start to lose weight, you start to feel great, you start to be excited, and then two weeks later, oh my God, I'm freaking starving. I'm starving. Two weeks later, I'm starving. This isn't working. I'm a failure. Oh, and by the way, I got bored of using the app and like entering every morsel of food that I eat, and so this isn't working. And then you kind of give up, you take a step back, then you go back on social. Then you see more messages on social media about how you need to lose weight. And so then maybe you go back to the app or then maybe you're like, okay, well the app didn't work. So keto, that's what I got to do. I'm going to cut the carbs. Then you go on the keto. And then like after four weeks of that, or if you make it four weeks, you're like, this is really hard. <laughs> I miss carbs. And I actually don't like bacon all this much. Ugh. And this isn't working. And okay, maybe I lost a little bit of weight, but like the minute I eat a piece of bread, it comes right back. So this isn't the vibe. 
then you go back on social media and then you know you decide to do maybe a more moderate low carb diet high high protein low carb same thing happens well i miss the carbs this isn't this isn't sustainable uh, you hopefully you can relate to this maybe you can relate to this so what is the solution <laughs> exactly somebody said exactly so the solution is this the solution is that we got to focus first and foremost on the quality of our diets this is a tough pill to swallow <laughs> this is a really tough pill to swallow because that's the hard path right like focusing on the quality of your diet oh that actually requires change that actually requires um nuance that actually requires strategy like how would i how would i lose weight if i'm not counting calories and i'm not eliminating something then what the heck am i focusing on what you want to focus on is this so i'm going to first go through kind of the nutrition strategy for pcos weight loss and then i'm going to go through one or two depending on time behaviors that are going to help just solidify the journey when it comes to losing weight with pcos the strategy that is ideal is actually the same freaking strategy that is ideal for every human being on this planet when it comes to losing weight sustainably. <laughs> Sorry, the secret's out. <laughs> I know that we all want to be beautiful, unique snowflakes, but at the end of the day, based on the research we have, we all live in very similar bodies. We have different gut microbiomes. We have different genetic predispositions. We have different personalities. We live in different regions of the world. But at the end of the day, we all have two eyes and two ears and a heart and two legs and two lungs, mostly. So when it comes to losing weight with PCOS and doing it from a quality first approach, number one, why do you wanna do it from a quality first approach? Weight loss that makes you live less long makes zero sense. So when we're eating for weight loss, to me, the way that we wanna to eat to lose weight and in the research, is we want to eat in such a way that is actually going to literally add years to the life. So we want to look at what's the best diet to lower inflammation and prevent chronic disease, but also what's the best diet to preserve the length of my telomeres, which is a marker of aging. There's another marking marker of aging that I can't remember the name of, but what is the best diet to preserve these markers of aging? What is the best diet to prevent the common causes of death? Heart disease, heart disease, <laughs> number one for women is heart disease, but also diabetes, also cancer. So when we're approaching weight loss and we're thinking about sustainable weight loss, nothing is short term. Everything we're implementing is we wanna implement this and we wanna implement it in such a way that it feels good to us for the rest of our lives. So when we're looking at, okay, what's the diet, what's the eating pattern that's going to allow me to prevent disease, live a long time, manage my weight fairly effortlessly, and also, also balance my mood, help me with the depression that I'm experiencing. Let me know if you're not depressed. <laughs> Everybody's depressed, right? Help me with the depression I'm experiencing. Help me with the anxiety that I'm experiencing. Let me know if you don't experience anxiety. Like we all experience these things. Help me with feeling like my life is on track 
and has meaning and has connection and has value? What's the diet that's going to do all of that for me so that my weight loss journey is actually a journey of creating my own life story? That diet is the Mediterranean. No, 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 let me back up. That diet overall, overarching, can be defined as a plant-forward style of eating. It came to my attention last week (laughs) that there are a group of people out there on the internet that think about health and nutrition the exact same way that I do, and they actually have a conference every year to talk about plant-forward nutrition and how it's going to take over the world and like these people exist and they're all at Harvard and I'm going to go to this freaking conference, but that's a, that's a digression. <laughs> plant-forward eating. What the hell, what does it mean? Plant-forward means putting the emphasis on plants without bringing black and white thinking into our lives because it's not constructive. It means focusing on plants. It means focusing on whole grains. It means focusing on beans and nuts and seeds and herbs and spices and healthy oils like olive oil, canola oil, and focusing on seafood and diversity of seafood. And am I forgetting anything? Those are the main points. And it also involves thinking about certain elements of the typical Western diet a little bit differently. For example, dairy. Dairy is not something that you need to eliminate with PCOS. However, we do need to think more strategically about dairy in terms of like how we want to inc- how do we, how we want to incorporate it into the diet. And and this is where like when you think about restaurant food in western culture in the US and other places, restaurant food in in the US, it's the flavor comes from fat, right? Like the flavor comes from fat and salt. So this is about, okay, how can we flip that script? And then, then the flavor in plant-forward nutrition can come from obviously certain plants and herbs and spices and, and oil, but can also come from using small amounts of, of cheese or dairy strategically. So plant-forward eating is about sustainability of both the health of the human and being able to do this long-term because it's so inclusive and so delicious And it's also about sustainability of the planet because we, here's the thing, like, you know, this because it probably takes you forever to get in to see a doctor. We're getting so unhealthy at this point that like, we're running out of doctors. We're getting so unhealthy at this point that the way that we're producing our food is not good for the planet. And I don't want to have a whole conversation on global warming, like, but it's real and we are going to have to change the way we think about nutrition and health and food if we wanna tackle that problem. But anyway, plant-forward nutrition is the key to putting PCOS into remission and losing weight, right? This is called wicked weight loss and losing weight in a way that isn't gonna leave you hungry as hell. Let me know what you think about this. All right. I don't think I have any comments. I think people are listening. So that's awesome. So plant forward nutrition 
Now, if you want to get more detailed with it, I like to get a little more detailed with it because, you know, this is what I do for a living <laughs> and it's fun. <laughs> and I like people to get results a little bit more quickly than just plant-forward nutrition. What I like to talk about is a version of plant-forward nutrition. There are many versions of plant-forward nutrition. I want to tell you about a few right now. There's the Mediterranean diet. There's actually this really cool diet that I'm kind of obsessed with called the Nordic diet, which I'm going to be talking about in my program in January. It's very much like a Mediterranean diet, but just a little bit more um, spicy. And then we also have vegetarian diets, vegan diets. Those are appropriate too, although you don't have to go to that extreme. There's really no purpose. We also have the DASH diet. We also have the MIND diet. I'm trying to think if there's anything else like worth mentioning that is good. Those are the main ones that come to mind. The Mediterranean diet is particularly special because it's the most evidence-based diet hands down in the research for human health, period. The Mediterranean diet is also particularly interesting to me for PCOS because we don't have one best diet yet defined for PCOS. But when we think about the Mediterranean diet and what it does, like we know the Mediterranean diet is actually the best diet for managing diabetes. The pathophysiology of diabetes is very similar to PCOS. So the Mediterranean diet does a great job of increasing insulin sensitivity and also does a great job of reducing inflammation in the body, preventing disease, creating a really supportive ecosystem within our body. This is how we can like implot, this is how we can say, without knowing what the best diet is for PCOS, this is how we can say that this makes sense because our body is an ecosystem. And so if this, kind, if this diet creates this hospitable ecosystem, this hospitable gut microbiome, this, this hospitable environment for all of our biological processes to happen, then we can say it would be the same with PCOS. And guess what it is? And there's a very interesting study that was published in Nature, which is one of the most prestigious scientific journals that is, that actually looked at like adjusting macronutrient distribution in mice that were given PCOS. And it was really cool because in this study, they actually ended up like literally seeing that the ideal macronutrient distribution that reversed PCOS in these rats or in these mice was literally the same macronutrient distribution of the Mediterranean eating pattern. So it's just kind of another layer of like, okay, yes, this is in human beings, but it's another layer of like this macronutrient distribution, this synergy, this particular synergy is really helpful for PCOS. <laughs> All right. How does it affect PCOS and what do I do if I can't eat much mainly because of IBS, but I still can't lose weight even though I focus on healthier food options? This is a great um, question. And here's another one. I'm finding it hard to get in plant-based protein with meals and snacks. I'm gonna answer these two and then kind of move on because these are good. Um, oh my God, there's so many good questions. I always read about under eating being a problem for PCOS. Could you give us examples about what to eat for snacks? So I'll try to like blend this all together. So one thing I want to say about the IBS question is this. IBS is connected to PCOS. Did you know that? So with IBS, we know that there's an issue in the gut. 
Um, but unfortunately, like there's not a treatment for IBS, right? It's very individualized. It's like, look for your triggers and then make adjustments. But what happens a lot of the time, and this is evidence-based, is that when the person, when you improve your PCOS, when you put your PCOS into remission, your IBS also goes into remission. <coughs> or at least gets better, significantly better. Because when, sorry guys, when we eat this kind of eating pattern, it optimizes the gut microbiome. And so like certain, like, you know, you're, I don't remember what you said, but like if there's a certain food that you can't really tolerate that well now, <coughs> excuse me, that's not static, right? Like the gut is like a, it, the gut is like a living, breathing, it's a living, breathing, breathing organ. So it changes. So the IBS symptoms you're experiencing, those don't have to be there forever. So it's an interesting thing to try with this eating pattern. But it's also complex, right? Because you can't just go start eating a bunch of things that you can't tolerate. And honestly, like this application is where you like want to work with a dietitian, because you can start to incorporate these foods slowly and in more specific ways where they're more um, tolerable. But you can start out by, by implementing the eating pattern in, with the foods that you can tolerate. And then probably by week like 8 to 12, you can start to try some of these things that you previously couldn't tolerate. So I recently added an option in my bio for private consultations because I got so many questions about one-off consultations. I typically only work with clients who want to work with me for like three months or six months because to be honest, you need time for these types of things to work. <laughs> and also, there's something magical about having a long-term relationship with somebody and working on yourself in that way and and having that space to be vulnerable anyway so there's a link in my bio if you if you wanted to have like a one-off conversation about this and like get started and now i can't remember the other the other questions <laughs> oh man what were they so we had ibs uh, a, a couple of people were acting asking about snacks and plant-based protein so here's my answer when people ask about snacks if you are thinking a lot about snacks, you probably don't need to get new snacks. You need to get new meals. So if your meals are really well-designed and well-rounded and serving you, you shouldn't be all that hungry for snacks. Like we don't need snacks as humans. Like, I don't know, that might be controversial, but we don't. Um, I typically maybe eat a snack a day, but most days I don't. Cause my meals are like, like people look at my meals and they're like, you're gonna eat all that? It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> because I don't need snacks, right? So if you're if you're thinking about snacks a lot, first and foremost, take, bring it back to the meals because the snacks are like one of the least important parts of the, of the diet. Somebody else asked about plant-based proteins. This is also where you don't have to rely super heavily on plant-based proteins when you're eating a plant-forward diet because you still have the ability of incorporating animal protein. We're just thinking about it differently. So instead of thinking about, okay, what do I want to dinner for dinner tonight? Chicken, beef, fish, pork. We're thinking about plants. And then the animal protein becomes like a garnish. So if you're building like a beautiful, like I, I build a lot of bowl kind of meals, right? Like, so last night I made this really gorgeous um, sauce. It was like a romesco sauce with like sun-dried tomatoes and um, roasted red peppers and garlic and almonds and 
olive oil. I can't remember the rest. Um, and put that with chickpea pasta. And then we had some chicken with it because I just made chicken. And so we had some chicken with it. But I'm giving you this example because like the way that that meal came together with the chickpea pasta and then the romesco sauce that had almonds in it, there was already basically enough protein in that meal. And the chicken, like the two or three ounces of chicken I added was just like, oh, here's some extra, extra protein. Great. So it's like not like it's not like you have to like shun these animal proteins. You're just going to be buying less of them and using them in lesser amounts. And that's where it's like, oh my God, that's where you like unlock the key, right? Like that's like the holy grail of, I get this. <laughs> this can work for me. I don't have to give up animal protein. I'm just thinking more strategically. Okay. That's also where it's like, oh, if I'm going to do this sustainably, I can see the nuance here. I can see how this is going to be, you know, require some precision and require some education in understanding how to cook in more plant-based ways. Let me know right now, how do you feel comfortable in the kitchen? Like, do you identify as a person that's a good cook? Do you identify as a person that doesn't know how to cook? How do you identify, like, where are you on that spectrum? I think that people, a lot of the time, don't feel confident in the kitchen in general and then you throw in like plant forward cooking and that's like, oh man, that's, that's more challenging. I can't even just like throw a piece of chicken on a George Foreman, right? Like it's different. Yeah. Somebody said, nope, I would literally, <laughs> I would literally burn my house cooking. Here's the thing, Sophia and everybody, you wouldn't, you wouldn't. There are ways of cooking that are really attainable and like really approachable to people. Even if, even if you're not the world's greatest cook. Here's a secret, guys. I am not the world's greatest cook. I know I'm not, but I have practiced now. I really started cooking when I like met my husband and we were like eating meals together and um, I was cooking and I've practiced now for like 10 years. But like I, in the beginning, when I started cooking, there were meals I made that were straight up inedible, straight up inedible, even though I went to nutrition school for six years. So like cooking is just a skill that you got to, that you have to practice. And here's the thing, you have 21 opportunities a week to practice. So, and you don't have to cook every meal, but like you got a lot of opportunity to practice. And I think like the attitude of it doesn't need to be perfect. And also just recognizing that, um, there are easier ways of cooking, like using slow cookers and sheet pans and woks and things like that. It can make all the difference in the world. I recently did a program called Grocery Games where I actually was cooking alongside people. So if you're if you're like, I need to plug in and learn how to cook, that's a good program. You can still get access to it. I think it's, I can't remember the price. I wanna say it's $222, but there's a lot of cooking demonstrations in that program. So you can really, and like the feedback that I got from this from that program was like, I can't believe how easy this is. Like you make it look so easy. And I'm like, it is, it doesn't have to be like super gourmet all the time. Yeah. Amber said, I tend to cook the same things all the time because I don't know how to cook much. Yeah. And so maybe this is even like, here's the thing guys, like there's no shortage of resources in the world, right? Like we can go on YouTube 
Um, or you can buy like cooking courses online, but you can go on YouTube and like, there are so many times when I YouTube things, I'm like, oh, I don't know how to cook millet. YouTube. <laughs> and I learn how to cook millet. Like, so don't, don't underestimate yourselves. Like we all, we all have this ability in us and it's more natural than we think. And the first time you make something that blows your mind, ugh, it's the best feeling. There's nothing more, more relaxing and more meditative to me than cooking and being with food, having a relationship with food. So plant forward eating is where it's at. You don't have to give up carbs. You actually don't have to really give up anything. You're just thinking a little bit differently. You're thinking smarter. Is it useful if I have PCOS and hypothyroidism? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I've lived with hypothyroidism since I was 12 years old. I have Hashimoto's disease and the Mediterranean eating pattern, plant forward eating is also the most supportive for thyroid health. Um, absolutely. So the last thing I wanted to say, this has been such a fun live. Thank you guys for the participation and like being here because this is so much fun. And I don't know, I just like got it. Like when I was on vacation and I took a lot of space for myself, I was like so ready when I came back. I'm like, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. We're taking over the world. We're helping every single human on the planet reverse PCOS. Like we're doing the thing and it doesn't need to be this hard. And so I'm just like, Lots of energy today. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. Um, so the last thing I wanted to talk about is weights. And specifically, daily self weights. Funny story. I told this during my group program earlier today. Funny story. <laughs> Yesterday, I posted about weighing yourself on the internet in my stories, and I asked people, how often do you weigh yourself? Most people said never. And then only a very, very small percentage of people weighed themselves like regularly. And so this, and I posted a reel about this anyway. So this morning when I woke up, I was like, holy shit, <laughs> I lost 5,000 followers. <laughs> and I said to myself, I'm like, wow, I must've really offended people by talking about weight. And then I realized that there's some weird Instagram situation going on right now, and it had nothing to do <laughs> with my weight loss post. <laughs> so I'm going to continue to talk about daily self weights. I make myself laugh. Um, and, and no, the followers are going to come back. Anyway, I posted, it's not important, but there's some, you know, Instagram has its, has its quirks and things like that. So one of the most interesting things though that I shared was I shared a photo of myself stepping on the scale and I asked people, is there a part of you that wants to know how much I weigh? And the thing is, is like, we do, we do. We have made weight out to be such like this really heavy, like all consuming, force in society and not even in like a not not even in a good way like we have we are so obsessed with weight and we have been forever that we don't even realize that right now in the body positivity movement which i'm all about body positivity but we're still obsessed with weight in the body positivity movement right because we're telling people now don't weigh yourself and weighing yourself is super <laughs> 
detrimental to mental health and then people feel like oh well I can't weigh myself because I'm gonna get an eating disorder right like I mean I'm just saying it how it is because it's like we feel this honestly this happened to me I felt like oh god I shouldn't own a scale because that means I'm too obsessed with my weight and that says something about who I am as a human and so like there was this really long time in my life where I didn't own a scale and like all was well all was well but when I had my second daughter I bought a freaking scale and I like owning a scale. It's helpful. It's helpful data in the same way that I like tracking my steps, right? So here's the thing. <laughs> we have this movement that women should not weigh themselves because we are better than that and we are independent women and we don't have to weigh ourselves anymore. Great. But the research supports weighing yourself if you want to lose weight and keep it off long term. It's actually the number one thing that dictates if you're going to lose weight and keep it off long term. So, and, and here's, the, here's the other thing. Is there any psychological damage that comes from weighing ourselves? Multiple systematic reviews say absolutely not. The caveat here is know yourself. Know yourself. If you are a human who has struggled with disordered eating, you probably shouldn't be listening to this weight loss live. If you're a human who has binge eating disorder, then you don't want to weigh yourself all the time. That can be really triggering. So of course, there are, there are caveats that weighing yourself every day is not going to work for every single human, but for most of us, it's a-okay and it's actually extremely helpful. Why is this? The more that we weigh ourselves, the more that we neutralize it. We take away its power. We see that it's just another metric of our bodies, just like our cholesterol level is, or our blood sugar level, or the amount of steps we take, or the amount of breaths we take in a minute. It's just another metric of data. And also, what it does is it allows you to have a relationship with your weight and with your body. It lets you feel appreciation and awe for the body that you have and how incredible it is. And you notice that your weight will go up and down and up and down and change for all sorts of reasons. And this also helps with the non-attachment. So I think it's a great idea to weigh ourselves multiple times a week. And in the research, here's the truth. The more people weigh themselves, the more weight they lose. So <laughs> this is my talk for today. I don't even know where this came from, but this was basically an hour free masterclass and I had so much fun and I hope you did too. But I, this, this also is enough information to help you kickstart your journey because now that you know the kind of eating pattern to focus on, now that you know it's okay to buy a scale and weigh yourself, you're going to have a lot easier of a time making connections and identifying patterns in yourself because we're all different. And that, that's life-changing. I also wanted to say that in November, I'm running a new program. In the past, I ran this program as a, as a masterclass. It was a three-day masterclass, and it was one of my favorite masterclasses that I ever did. It was called Plateau. Let me know if you were there by any chance. I'm now running the Plateau masterclass as a program. Oh, you're so welcome, Sophia. So I'm running it as a 15-day program. And it's a really unique experience. It's really geared towards the woman or the human who wants to get the scale to move 
and who's like, like somebody said at the beginning of this call, I've had PCOS for a year and I can't lose weight. It's geared towards you. And what this program is, is it's a, it's a mini, it's a mini program, but I, I consider it an intensive because it's going to have more close proximity support and more interaction. So what I'm doing in this program is I'm giving every single person an assessment and I'm going to get your anthropometric data and I'm going to get your metabolic history and I'm going to get your mental history. And then from there, I'm going to recommend to you nutrient targets, you know, so that you can get specific if you want to. I'm going to recommend to you maybe specific strategies that are going to work a little bit better for you. <coughs> Excuse me. We're also doing six live trainings. I don't think I have the schedule next to me. I thought I did. I don't have it next to me. Where did it go? Anyway, we're doing six live trainings. <laughs> Each one is unlocking a different kind of code of weight loss, common blocks that I see people come up against all the time. And also, how to eat to naturally regulate your appetite. This training in itself is like freaking gold. We're also <laughs> gonna have an intimate group chat ongoing throughout this experience. Why are we gonna do this? Because I want you to be able to listen to a training or come to a training live, all these trainings are recorded, and then I want you to be able to plug in and ask questions in real time. So this is a really incredible intensive and especially kind of coming up on the holiday season, that's kind of the vibe of the timing of it so that you feel like you're really in control with a plan, in a good headspace, going into a very food focused season. Plateau right now, I wish I remembered, I think the price is, this is embarrassing, I think it's 777 and we have a payment plan. And I think that's all I wanna say about Plateau. I think that's all I'm going to say. There was another, um, I'm forgetting. There's a bonus when you join Plateau, and I can't remember what the bonus is, but there's a bonus. Send me a DM if you want to get in. With this particular program, there's limited spots because of the close connection. So we have eight spots left right now. I guess I'm concerned with how the number on the scale becomes a disproportionately important data point. It should be one of many data points for progress monitoring. Absolutely. And that's why we also check in with things like waist circumference, metabolic measurements, subjective measurements of happiness and well-being. Absolutely. It's just one thing. But 5 to 10% body weight loss can make such a tremendous impact on people's lives in terms of all these different aspects of health. And I think we're so afraid of talking about it and going there. And, and that's, you know the version of this conversation. Thank you. This is actually a dress from a company called um, Cupshe. Cupshe? Cupshe? Thank you. All right. So I think I'm going to wrap it here. Awesome. Everybody is very positive and very sweet. Have a beautiful Halloween if you're celebrating. I should have my witch's hat on right now. And I will talk to you guys very soon. I'm also going to save this live to my feed. So if you have a friend, most of us have friends with PCOS. 
you can tag them below um, so that they can benefit as well. Awesome. Thank you guys. Bye.